Welcome back to the Waiver Wire Show for the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, once again, it is Betts and myself. We're just we're holding down the fort here. Does Okada even want to help us anymore? Dude, I don't even know if he's still alive. Okada, if you're out there, please let us know. He's too busy hanging out with <laughs> just you fa- and me, man. Famous NFL people acting all cool and and, and stuff. But no, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, he usually works late on on Monday nights, so. Uh, he's probably not going to make it to many of these shows, but we're going to talk about some waiver ads, and uh, I think there's a couple interesting ones this week. So uh, let's let's just start right away with uh, the quarterback position because there's really only one guy I think worth adding that that would have any kind of long term value, and that's Jameis Winston. Uh, Fitz Magic, unfortunately, the magic has ceased, and uh, yeah, it's it's Winston's turn to take over here. So. Do you have any interest in rostering Winston as your starting quarterback? I think on a week-to-week basis, there's going to be some matchups that I think he's going to be streamable. Um, When you look at what he's done in the past, I mean, obviously he's been a very serviceable starting option. So people that have kind of seen what Ryan Fitzpatrick has done, just imagine what Jameis Winston can do in that offense, given that obviously he's a superb talent compared to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So uh, he does not have the magic that Fitz does, but... Yeah, I mean, if if Jameis shows some things early on when he gets back in, I'm absolutely interested in starting him on a week-to-week basis if the matchup's right. Uh, At least this first week, he gets the injury-hobbled Atlanta Falcons defense. I think that could be uh, a startable matchup, to be perfectly honest, considering how this offense has looked. So um, I think he's worth picking up if, if you have a streaming quarterback and he's not worth holding on to for another week or something like that. So thought I'd talk about him real quick there. Yeah, for sure. And I just think the situation in general is very fantasy friendly. Uh, it's a recipe for success when you look at the fact that the defense is awful and can't stop anyone and they can't run the ball to save their lives. So, yeah, I mean, that's what helped Ryan Fitzpatrick over the first couple of weeks. So if Jameis can kind of turn it around here with the bye, uh, yeah, absolutely. Moving forward, he's a very startable option. Speaking of their run game, uh, Ronald Jones was active for the first time this week. It, he didn't really do all that much. Is he worth rostering? Let's put it that way. Um, that's a tough question to answer. I think it really depends on your other options. If you've got a burner spot on your bench and you're, you know, maybe you just lost someone to injury and you don't really see anyone on the waivers that fits a high priority pick. Yeah, I'd be interested in throwing him on your bench and just kind of seeing what happens. But uh, outside of that, I'm not hoping for much from him this year. He in In like 12 plus team leagues or deep bench leagues, things like that, uh, absolutely, I think you have to go get Ronald Jones. It, it, who else is left out there that you know has a chance of being a starting running back uh, before the end of the season? I, I just don't think there's anyone else really other than Ronald Jones. And he, he's still somehow already 24% owned, even though he hasn't been active for the first three weeks, which is absurd, but I, whatever. And uh, I think people scooped him up when he was active before the week four game there, so... I don't know. I think, you know, a dollar or two, if you really need some potential at the running back position, Ronald Jones is worth a shot. Yeah. I mean, you can never roster enough starting running backs in fantasy. So, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you got the bench spot just to stash him and see happens, yeah, do it. And if it doesn't work out, then throw him back in the waiver wire and no uh, no harm, no foul. 100%. So let's, let's go on to another rookie running back who had – uh, a little bit different day this week. Uh, Nick Chubb 
He had three carries, and I think he only had three or four snaps as well. Uh, I'd have to go back and check that to be uh, to be sure, but he had three rushes for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. Just unbelievable. Like, both of those, he was shot out of a cannon, uh, burned all the defenders, making people miss uh, early in, in the secondary. It, he looked good. I, I mean... And and I got a stat here. I'll I'll talk to you about real quick. In that, uh, Carlos Hyde, so far this season, his PFF run grade, you know, Pro Football Focus, is ranked 76th among running backs, and his elusive rating is 75th. Nick Chubb, including those runs this weekend, puts him at second and fifth for those same metrics, which I realize wow. is on <laughs> way less carries. And Carlos Hyde's always been kind of like a grinder, beater-type running back uh, with a couple of pass-catching chops. But uh, Nick Chubb's making a case for carries. What are your thoughts? Yeah, he certainly is. I think that if you aren't really in tune to watching the Browns games and kind of seeing what Carlos Hyde looks like on the field, you're probably looking at your box score or your fantasy points and going, wow, he must have been great this year. Because to be honest with you, for fantasy, he has been great. And that's the only reason that he's been great is because of the fact that he's found the end zone so often. Uh, most of his performances have actually be, been really inefficient uh, in his run game. So, yeah, I think that Nick Chubb is is very interesting, and obviously he's got the talent coming out of Georgia. Uh, but I don't think that this game really does much in terms of him pushing for a role early, uh, meaning next week and probably the week after. But, yeah, if, if Carlos Hyde's inefficiencies continue and Chubb continues to perform well in the carries that he does get, yeah, there's no reason that this team... Um, doesn't turn to their high draft pick, which they took him in the second round. So, yeah, I mean, certainly he's worth a speculative ad and just stash my bench. All right, let's move on to uh, running back who had some unexpected success this last weekend, Mike Davis, the Seattle running back. Look, I'm not going to say go get him. However, it, go get him. Is it worth <laughs> I mean, it's again, it's like worth a shot. Clearly, they don't want to use Richard Penny this year because he frankly doesn't look very good when he's running the ball um and if that hip issue is something that's going to keep Carson out for some reason it what if you add Mike Davis for a dollar and he's a starting running back next week like how can you say no to that I mean he's worth one dollar just for that yeah we just talked about it starting running backs in fantasy are gold um so yeah if it's if it's a cheap ad and it's either in a zero dollar bid yeah there's nothing wrong with that um, I just got to confess here that I I feel very sad watching Rashad Penny run, given that mm. I was so high on him yeah. um, coming out of the draft. So he definitely looks overweight. He looks out of shape. He does he not does. look like the guy that I saw coming out of San Diego State. So, yeah, he's not giving anyone you know a run for their money there. Um, and if Chris Carson's out, it's going to be Mike Davis. So, yeah, it's it's worth a shot, given that he has the chance to start uh, as early as next week. Is, it, is that Eddie Lacy incarnate out there? <laughs> It's crazy. Dude, no. He's got to get on that playing that peanut. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> let, let's move on. Uh, I also wanted to talk real quick about Frank Gore. I mean, dude, does this dude age at all? I mean, seriously, he's still getting massive amounts of carries, uh, and way more than I think Drake owners were ever willing to admit he would. But he's just he doesn't go away. He's he's a thorn right now. And Drake owner sides, and he's only eight percent owned, and that's the reason I thought I should throw this on here is because you might get a guy with ten touches a game here in Frank Gore. 
Dude, honestly, I I don't get it. I'm done questioning how and why it's happening, but <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to accept it for what it is. Yeah, I mean, Kenyon Drake, what did he have? Three carries? Uh, four, I think four, but yeah, it's it was four, real low. Yeah, so um, given, I mean, obviously the game was a blowout. The Patriots absolutely destroyed the Dolphins at home, but um, I don't know if that was a reason for why Drake wasn't used the way that we all are hoping he's used. But yeah, I mean, until this team decides to actually give Kenyon Drake... Uh, the reins to the offense and to the backfield, Frank Gore is going to be involved whether we like it or not for fantasy. So yeah, as, as gross as it is um, to put him in your lineup in deeper leagues, he's been a very serviceable option. So yeah, deeper leagues, I'm willing to throw a dollar out there and, and go snag him. Yeah, to clarify, Kenny Drake had three rushes and one reception, so four touches. So maybe that's what I was thinking of, but just absurd. I, I thought in this Patriots game, he was going to get used so much more. And uh, just never came to fruition. So, I don't know. I don't yeah, know what to do with Drake. It is kind of surprising, too, especially because Kenyon Drake is a pretty good receiving back. And the yeah. team was trailing so much that I would have thought, you know, even if the game script didn't allow for rush attempts from Drake, he at least would have been there on um, passing downs and be able to, you know, take some of that workload from Ryan Tannehill in a short passing game. But it just didn't happen. And, and it's definitely concerning from a fantasy perspective. Agreed. Now, this last one is just kind of like a due diligence ad here. Um, TJ Yeldon, he's 51% owned right now, but if he's for some reason still on the waiver wire, uh, you got to go spend you know, probably 15 or more percent of your fab budget right now to go get him on a roster because uh, Leonard Fournette is likely going to be out for a while. Maybe you can expand a little bit on, on what's going on with Fournette. Yeah, TJ Yeldon needs to be owned in 100% of leagues. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely a good idea for us to throw him on the dock here. Listen, man, uh, Leonard Fournette, unfortunately came out of the game with a re-aggravation of his hamstring strain, uh, which he had originally on, uh, week one. So the first week of the season, he injured against the giants, sat out the next two weeks and then came back, um, yesterday. And, you know, this is always the risk when you come back from injury from a hamstring strain is that. It's not an accumulative effect, meaning like if he gets five or six carries compared to 20 carries, um, he's going to be okay. It can just be one quick step or one burst, and it, it just pulls and you tweak it. Um, unfortunately, I just saw you know a news report come from ESPN that this is being reported as more serious than his original injury, which you know, if given that he missed two weeks from the original injury, I'm going to say that there's a good chance Fournette could be out for three, maybe four weeks at this point. Yeah. So. If you know if TJ Elton's out there, go get him. Um, I'm willing to spend about twenty percent, even twenty five percent of my budget if I really need a running back. Yeah, and especially if you're you know at this point four weeks into the season, you have a losing record and you really need to win. Yeah, spend more and go get TJ Elton because Fournette is going to be out for a little while. Completely agree. So let's move on to the wide receivers this week. There's some interesting options I think out there uh, that'll probably not be terribly expensive. So. Uh, let's first talk about Taylor Gabriel. Uh, had a huge game in the Mitch Trubisky explosion week. How about that, huh? That was fun Just to like watch. We all predicted. Yeah, exactly. And Taylor Gabriel had seven targets, caught all of them for 104 yards and two touchdowns uh, with one rushing attempt for 10 yards to boot. It was a huge day for him. Uh, he's had pretty consistent targets so far through four weeks, only one game, game one, with less than seven targets. You know, is it worth banking on Trubisky and his future to go grab Gabriel? 
I don't know that it's necessarily worth banking on Trubisky, but I will definitely bank on the volume of targets that are being thrown to Taylor Gabriel. Um, I know that you're big on this, Kent, and I don't totally agree with you that, uh, you know, you, you shouldn't chase points, but you should definitely chase opportunity when it comes to targets, receptions, rush attempts, that kind of thing. So if he's getting volume from Trubisky, um, yeah, I'm definitely interested. I think that obviously it's unrealistic to expect this type of production from the Bears offense week to week given how average it's looked in the first three weeks. But yeah, I mean, follow the volume and good things will happen. So uh, I think he's worth an ad just to see him what shakes out there. And before we move on, it is worth pointing out that Anthony Miller was sitting in this game. Yeah, he that's true. He dislocated his shoulder last week. So there's a good chance that if Miller comes back, potentially this production isn't there. So just want to put that on your radar that uh, he did see a little bump from that. I this was I was going to be calling Anthony Miller breakout week here too, and it it could have happened with how Trubisky was throwing the touchdowns out there. So I'm a little disappointed. Everyone but broke out. Yeah, exactly. I, I I think Anthony Miller's time is still coming, so that could come at the sacrifice of Taylor Gabriel. That is that's a good legitimate point there. Yeah, something tells me we're going to be talking about Anthony Miller uh, on a future waiver pod here. Most likely. Well, let's move on over to the Tennessee Titans. Corey Davis had a day. Oh, my goodness. But but not far behind him was sophomore receiver Taewon Taylor, who this week he had nine targets, seven receptions for 77 yards. It's the lucky triple seven. Uh, he looked good out there. And, you know, with Rashard Matthews walking away from the team for personal reasons, um, yeah, I, Taewon Taylor is a guy who could step in as a number two on this offense with Mariota getting healthy again. Yeah, and I think that's the key right there is Mariota getting healthy. Um, we know that he's dealing with that ulnar nerve injury, the nerve that kind of sits really close to your elbow. Um, and I don't know if anyone watched the game, but you could see that he was wearing a glove that kind of protected his pinky and his ring finger to provide some more grip on the ball, mm-hmm. which that's the location and the muscles that that nerve controls. So the grip on the glove helped him to kind of enhance his performance for sure i mean he threw for over 300 yards so yeah yeah i mean if if mariota is going to be back and healthy i want a piece of that offense with with taewon taylor i believe he's the clear-cut number two because we just haven't seen it from john smith like we thought we would so um yeah i went back and watched all of his his targets from yesterday and the thing that i was excited about with taylor is just the fact that they are purposely giving him ways to get involved in the game uh bubble screens the, the short little, I don't know why everyone's doing it now, but the short little drop pass from the quarterback yeah, right in front. Yeah, um, The of, pop pass or target. something. So, yeah, yeah, the hot potato pass. Uh, <laughs> so everyone is everyone is, is doing it, but it, it's been working. Um, and yeah, man, Taylor's, Taylor's getting involved. I like it. Uh, I definitely want him on my roster moving forward. Agreed. Um, how, how much would you spend on him? I would probably go up to at least, you know, maybe around 5% to 10%. Um, I think that if you're wide receiver needy or a three wide receiver starting league, I would go up to 10, but otherwise I'd probably go over five. I'm maybe a little lower, uh, just cause I'm not sure that these targets will be there every week, but I thought he looked pretty good. So I could, I could maybe go up to five if I was really desperate for wide receiver. Um, but, but I think the, the surplus of wide receivers out there makes me want to just bid like two or three on them, but I do like the kid, and I think he, I think he's got a good future. So let's move on to uh, Texans wide receiver Kiki Kuti, uh, top ten names in the NFL right now. He's a rookie. Uh, Kiki Kuti was coming back from an injury, so this was his first NFL action, and 
boy, was it a good start. I mean, he had, what was it, 15 targets, I believe it was? Yeah, 15 targets, yeah. 11 receptions, 109 yards, playing out of the slot. Uh, this this team needed a good slot receiver. You know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller are mostly outside guys. I think they'll move Hopkins into the slot a little bit more. But for someone who can play, you know, 75% slot duty, I think Kiki Kuti is a great fill-in here. He looked great. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I would probably spend up to – six seven dollars in ppr leagues on this guy yeah if nothing else he's definitely worth an ad just so you can use his last name in making your fantasy football team name. yeah yes uh, like you mentioned top 10 names in the league uh yeah man he's he's a talented kid coming out of texas tech uh, uh i liked him a lot kind of coming out of the draft so i'm very interested to see what he can do in what is one of the most pass happy offenses in the nfl um, the other thing working in his favor is the fact that Will Fuller went out with a hamstring strain, uh, which seems like we say every other week on this podcast. Um, Phil, Will Fuller gets banged up a lot, and we know that that offense can run through the air um, with short passes as well as deep bombs. So, yeah, I like QT. I think that he has a chance to implement himself there as, as a wide receiver three. And potentially, too, if this hamstring strain, hamstring strain excuse me, is more serious than what we're being told. So... Yeah, I like him, and I think he's worth an ad. Solid. All right, let's move on to some tight ends because there's actually a couple of decent tight end pickups this week, and uh, I know there's some people out there who are still struggling to find a starting tight end for their roster, so this could be pretty important. One that I want to talk about first is someone that I liked before the season, uh, Hayden Hurst, the first-round draft pick by the Baltimore Ravens. He is currently only 3% owned. He is looking to get into his uh, first full game here coming up and uh, I think that you know the way this Ravens offense is using their tight ends I think that Hayden has an opportunity to jump to the lead of this pack just because they invested that first round pick and they want to see what they got in him make sure that he's someone worth uh, you know worth the draft pick so to speak so I think people are going to overlook him a little bit because he hasn't done anything yet and uh, he's not going to be very pricey, so he could be a good alternative to some of these other guys we're going to talk about. But I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about him? Yeah, I think I'm a lot lower on him than you, to be honest with you. Um, I, I just think that you mentioned you know, the way they use their tight ends. Sure, they do use their tight ends a lot, but they have a lot of them that they use. Um, sometimes it's Nick Boyle. Sometimes it's Mark Andrews, also a rookie. Um, sometimes it's Max Williams. So they kind of shuffle in these guys uh, and they all kind of eat into each other's production. So for me, um, yeah, I can see the ad if it's a $0 bid for me, but uh, it'd have to be a deeper league, and it would have to be a team that's obviously really struggling at the tight end position. Um, but like you mentioned, he's a first-round pick, so the team obviously likes him, and, and they might want to see what they have in him. So uh, I can see where you're coming from, but for me, not too excited about him. I, I, I understand the point. I really do. I just think that them using multiple tight ends is probably more due to them not having uh, their intended starter for the season, and so they've decided to go with committee to replace that. But uh, we'll stand to see that. He's very cheap. I would probably not spend more than a dollar or two, so I, I at least agree with you there. But let's move on to the next guy on our list who's definitely a little bit more interesting here, Cameron Bright. He's a tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's currently 24% owned in Yahoo Leagues. And uh, O.J. Howard sprained his MCL. So how, how long will that keep him out, you think? Yeah, 
The uh, the sprain of the MCL there for OJ Howard is being called a grade two sprain, which is going to put him out roughly about two to four weeks. Um, we just talked about this last week with Evan Ingram. So it's the same type of injury, same severity. Um, yeah, and the fortunate thing for the Buccaneers is that they go by this week. So uh, he could be back as early as week seven um, and actually not miss too much time. So Cameron Brake could potentially just be a one-week fill-in, but it could be longer if uh, if OJ Howard is out. I will say, though, however, uh, we know what Cameron Brate has done with Jameis Winston in the past. Jameis Winston is now the starter, um, and I like Cameron Brate. I think that he is a very serviceable option at this position, especially given that he was the tight end 7 in 2016 and the tight end 9 in 2017. So uh, we're not talking about a guy who could just fill in here or there. If he is truly Jameis Winston's favorite target, um, yeah, he's a tight end one. Yeah, completely agree. Um he just caught so many touchdowns, and I think that that's something that is going to be prevalent in this this high flying passing attack that Tampa Bay seemed to have adopted uh, with their new offensive coordinator. So I think Brake could stand to benefit from that. I I'd be willing to go uh, probably over five percent, maybe up in the eight category again, depending on who my current tight end is. If I have like a you know a top five tight end right now, I'm probably not going to spend anything, and I'll just let someone else spend the money on him. Uh, but if I need a tight end, I'd, I'd go up to probably seven or eight or so. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Like you mentioned, especially with given how bad the tight end position is for fantasy. Um, there's a lot of teams out there that need a tight end. So yeah, I'm good with five to eight percent. And I think that's, that's very fair. Yeah. So let's talk about one more tight end here. I think this one's kind of important because Tyler Eifert broke his ankle I feel so bad for Eifert because he just gets injured all the time. And I don't think this one is really due to his quote-unquote injury proneness. So, yeah, I, it's it's unfortunate. But Tyler Croft, the fill-in tight end, uh, stands to benefit from this. So I, I understand you're a lot higher on Croft here than I am. Can you tell me why? Yeah, I just think that the opportunity is going to be there. And, you know, it's there's not a lot of tight ends out there that, you can get that are going to be starting tight ends that you know for sure are going to get some volume. Um, we saw Tyler Croft have success in the past when um, Tyler Eifert is out with injury, which has been, unfortunately, the vast majority of his career. So last year in, in 2017, um, Croft finished the tight end 15, which doesn't look too you know, appealing on the surface, but you, know, you, you take into account that the tight end position just is so needy of uh, playmakers at the position Tyler Croft is going to be a guy who I'm definitely willing to go out and get and plug in as my every week starter, um, mostly because of the fact that there's no one else out there. So, yeah. yeah, I like him, and I'm willing to go up to 10% of my budget to to grab him. Uh, that's a fair point. I mean, he's not going to be exciting, but he's going to be serviceable. You know, last year he had 42 receptions, 400 yards, uh, but that, that mostly came in the time when uh, Eifer was out last year as well. So... Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be a stopgap. I would say if you pick him up, you know, you could probably still chase some upside guys if they come along. Uh, but you know, if you again, need a tight end and some of you probably do, uh, go spend enough money to get him because he's going to be a hot commodity with Eifert confirmed out for the season. And real quick, before we go one last tight end who I think is interesting, uh, Nick Vanette, is a tight end for the Seattle Seahawks, currently 0% owned on Yahoo. I actually found that kind of surprising. 
Um, I actually own him in a Scott Fishbowl still, so uh, that, that's a little bit different. There's scoring. one of you out there. There's, there's a little <laughs> bit different scoring settings there that make it uh, worth holding on to. But Will Disley uh, tore his patella tendon, so he will be out for the season as well. Uh, and that means Nick Vanette is probably going to be picking up those targets that Disley is leaving behind. So um, I don't know. How do, how do you feel about Vanette going forward? Yeah, I think that as the year entered and, you know, the year kicked off, everyone thought Nick Vanette was going to be the guy and Will Disley came out of nowhere. So um, everyone out there that thought Nick Vanette would be the guy, you finally get your chance to see what he can do. Um, it's unfortunate for Will Disley. He was coming on strong and, uh, you know, Russell Wilson recently has been targeting the tight end a lot last year with Jimmy Graham as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's a very interesting ad. The upside, I think, of Vanette is probably capped by the fact that the Seahawks offense has been looking pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you want to throw three to four bucks on him, I'm fine with that. Um, if you really need a tight end, you're desperate up to five or six is fine with me. But outside of that, um, that's about all I would spend on him. I think if uh, Chris Carson and Doug Baldwin come back strong this next game, I feel like uh, you will be a little bit better off as far as the offense goes. But, yeah, I mean, he'll probably have a couple of 40, 50-yard games in there that are that are worth playing and a couple touchdowns sprinkled here and there throughout the rest of the season. So, worth a shot. Take a look. Which is so sad, the fact that, 40 to 50 yards is a good week from your tight end. Tight That's ends, how bad it is out there. So, yeah, tight it's, ends it's are so bad. It is unbelievable. And last year felt really bad, and I think this one's even worse. So I don't know. But uh, all right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's waiver show. Thank you for listening. Go out and get your waiver ads uh, today. Make sure you bid uh, the correct amount. Don't overbid. Don't underbid. Go get you guys and uh, improve those rosters. So, Bets, thank you for helping out once again. And uh, once again, we are the Red Shirts. Cowboys!